Today's episode of Motherfuck Lore is brought to you by the show's generous supporters on Patreon. Supporters like Richard Heffernan, Alistair Marshall, and Laura Pascal. Meal Buikas, Richard, Alistair, and Laura. Listeners who support the show on Patreon get access to a range of bonus features. We will be taking an intermission this summer, but we will continue to make bonus episodes for people who support the show on Patreon on the 5 and 10 euro tiers. So, please do join us this summer. Check it out at patreon.com forward slash dark. From the Headstuff Podcast Network, welcome to Motherfuck Lore, a podcast of words, Irish, Irish words, words from Ireland, and bent coppers. I'm your host, Tarka Jay. I'm Geraldine McElroy. And listen here, fella, I'm Pat O'Quigonic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Patricia Carmichael, Chief Inspector. I can't remember what, what her role is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have the right to be interviewed by a superior officer. <laughs> Come here, why is that beep so long? Why is the beep on there? Why is it so long? Why does the beep go on for so long? I you mean, know it's why? Because pa- it's on flexi time. It's not being paid for. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the beep is so long because that's the bit where Garadine did some voice acting. Oh, it's like we're wow. <laughs> being bleeped mm-hmm. out. Like we're recording now. You shower. Beep. <laughs> Yeah, it's too long. That's the only long. criticism I have of Line of Duty. That's their beep is too long. <laughs> their beep is too long. That's probably it's, how the beep is, and they're just trying oh, to be yeah. true to life. But it's too long. Cut it out. So I bet that like, I, bet, I bet it's quite realistic on the beeps, but it's definitely not realistic on how clean their offices. Uh, their offices. Yeah, they love a clean office, huh? Oh, they're very. And I don't listen. Steve is a well-dressed man, but is there any need for a, a three-piece suit every day? Come on, Steve, for fuck's sake! It's uh, it holds the gut in the old waistcoats. I don't think Steve has a gut. <laughs> it holds if, the if gut get it closed. <laughs> you, I'm sorry, if you can get actually, it closed, it's a great joke altogether. Like, yeah. I, have two, I have two complaints about Line of Duty. The okay. long beep and mm-hmm. Steve not having a Scottish accent. I discovered far too late in the game that the actor who plays Steve Arnott with the beard, a lovely boy, has a Scottish accent, thus making him 200 times hotter. And I was like, what the fuck is, why doesn't he have a Scottish accent? I'm so, I've been denied a Scottish accent alongside a beautiful Northern Irish accent. If Kate had a Welsh accent, that'd be the trifecta. You up the cows. <laughs> I think, yep. I, I think though you just needed, you needed to have um, like a proper London geezer in that lineup. Yeah. You know, I think it was necessary. Uh, and like Kate's, Kate's got a quite, I don't know, is it an East Midlands accent? It's a relatively generic middle of the yeah. country English accent. And then, mm. but you've got, you know, you've got to have a lad from London, in it. Gav. But I think. A lot of so first first of all for our, our listeners around the world, yes, we have come down with line of duty fever, like many yeah. people on on all over the world. We are very in, we are enjoying it's the BBC's current cops and robbers show, except cops instead of normal, cops show, except instead cops of robbers, robbers, they have <laughs> cops and bent coppers, <laughs> and it's and it's it's a show. I think and uh, this when you, when you scratch beneath the surface, a lot of the themes that we normally talk about on this, this particular podcast do come to light. Yeah. And one of which is, yes, there's um, the, the presentation of accents and the significance of accents comes in because Steve Arnott, played by Martin a Compton. man 
Compton. Compton has a Scottish accent, but uh, in real life, but he has he is not allowed to use it. A in travesty. His role. A travesty. I mean, and, lads, that's that's acting, you know. <laughs> I know, but that's, I want to relax it. It's lovely. <laughs> I've been in enough. I've been in enough. Am, I've been in enough amateur plays where nobody puts on an accent. <laughs> like, it's it's know, a fine I remember. Way. I remember one time we did. Uh, we did uh, Death of a Salesman in when I was in college, and uh, so one of the lads just could not get an American accent. He just couldn't put on an American accent. So I just. I. I. I, I was. I was in one of the roles, and I was just working with him behind the scenes, and I just said, "Listen." pal, why don't you just drop your R's at the end of every word, like, and then before you know it, you're from Boston, you can pack the car and have it, yad. And so he tried that <laughs> and it was grand, it was passable, but one of the lads in it who was playing, um, oh Christ, I can't remember the role he was playing now, but one of the lads who was in it was Carl, my friend Carl, who's from New Jersey. Uh, so he was the only person in it from America. And then afterwards, like, geez, lads, you were all great, but who's the wee fella? Like, his his accent was shite. Yeah. <laughs> we, all had the, we all had these terrible, hammed up American accents, and the one lad from America stuck out like a sore thumb. He was Jamie Dornan in in Wild Mountain Time. God love him, <laughs> poor fella. The one fella who actually has a genuine accent. It came out really poorly. <laughs> That's the thing. So, in uh, in the greater, greater London area as well, it's, there's something that they have in, that's in common with Ireland is the idea that the police force has its own specific accent. There is a Met accent, which is normally oh, the suspect was locked in, which is a particular thing. But it's been often said there's a specific Templemore accent. Is yeah. this a, is this true? Cop speak, yeah, definitely, yeah. It's more than an accent. It's 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 just a a pattern of speech, I think, and then that develops into real life and. People don't actually speak like that, John yeah. from fucking Wicklow, wherever you're from, John. But you know, you spend nobody, whatever nobody nine months down in Templemore. Yeah, yeah, nobody else in the world says vehicle. Vehicle, yeah. Vehicle. This is the thing. Because are you a licensed owner of this vehicle? <laughs> Guard Patrol was was the was the uh, was the. It was back in the 1980s. Well, it was the television show where the police would engage directly as part with the public service broadcasting to let people know about certain crimes. It and this is when well, a lot like of people crime came. Call, is it? It was, yeah, it was. It was the predecessor. It, the production values are much much lower. Okay. And this is when a lot of people became who maybe who were fortunate enough in their lives not to have um, direct interactions with the police much <laughs> became suddenly aware of this this concept of vehicle, how it's pronounced. And there's a few other words as well, aren't there, Patter? Yeah, loads of them. But like, there's always these little quirks, these linguistic quirks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we in Ireland, I think we're we're uh, we're desperate for it because, like, if I were to say, like, the 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 part of government that deals with money coming in and going out, like, we would say, like, it's finance. But I mean, no, it's mm-hmm. the minister for finance. I can explain yeah, that. Yeah, minister for finance. Yeah, well, give it to us, dad. Okay, because sometimes you are talking about finance with someone from finance, and you have to, have to say explain that we are talking about the financial reports from a, from a, of, the, of the finance section of one particular department. You need to dif- explain in speech that finance is different from finance because your own a, a, a government department will have its own finance section, but finance is always the department of finance. Yeah, it's so you're word. pronouncing the proper noun. You're pronouncing, you're pronouncing the capitalization. It. You're pronouncing it with a view to clarifying what you're referring to in the speech because you can be saying finance two or three times in the same sentence while meaning something different each time. And it's that's it's part of language evolution. That's but, interesting, though. I yeah. Like that. But I don't think the same is right with, you know, vehicles. 
No. I think, yeah, that's just how what what specific guards think that cars are called. A vehicle. Or not even just cars. Anything that moves and isn't a bike or a horse. I think. I don't imagine they call a bike a vehicle. Are horses vehicles? <laughs> no. Or horses vehicles. I think, yeah, a vehicle, yeah, it's, it's, it's a particular type of thing. But this comes down, there's, a, there's, a, there's an apocryphal tale that the the the, the, the sibilance in Spanish, the Cabana Tlatriath, is pronounced in a certain way, comes down to the fact that a Catalan king had a lisp and that his courtiers tried to make... Um, Plumas him by by mimicking that lisp, and then it became it was embedded in the language. And it's something else similar happened. Plumoth, Plumoth, Plumoth. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And and but this and this whether or not this is true it is the fact that a a group of people, be it an actual police force or people from a particular town, speak a certain way, suggests a certain maybe not groupthink or a certain kind of a shared values. Well, I think it's just the way the communication happens because certain, I think particularly when it's legal or legal adjacent, like words have meaning. And so it's really important to like everybody be clear what they're talking about. And then that just becomes the institutional culture and how people talk. Um, but I think, I think in like to talk, to refer it back to our like what we're interested in today, like I do think that in the show Line of Duty, while they all have cops speaking, sometimes I haven't a clue what they're talking about. Sometimes I'm like, guys, I don't know what all of these, what is the cheese? I don't know what a cheese is. I know now because I Googled it. Do but, you know what OGC um, is? <laughs> or o- o- OCG. O- OCG, right? OCG, yes. Organised crime group. Is that what it means? Yes. I just assumed it was something. Um, yeah. And you don't show me up here. My, my research is supposed to be on crime. And so I don't fucking show me up here. Um, I'm uh, listen, um, you're, you're, you're not you're not getting shown up here, Guardian. I think I watched about four seasons of Criminal Minds before I realised that unsub was short for unknown subject. So I did. I, I thought it you, was uh, something else <laughs> until right yeah, now. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was like unsubstantiated something or other like, but no, unsub is unknown subject. And I was like, all right. Crazy. I found yeah, that out in about season, season four. Okay, oh, I find that out now. That makes sense I find that out now. right now. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> but to to talk about the the language of policing, like whatever about the language that they use in in Line of Duty, which is very policey. It's very mm-hmm. like which is a word. Um, apart from the occasional uh, wonderful instance of Hiberno English from none other than everyone's favorite, I think it's fair to say Ted Hastings. Yes. Um, who just wonderfully decorates his speech every now and then with the most beautiful Hiberno Englishisms. And I I will die for Ted Hastings. There's a, there's people out there who, who are still of the opinion that Ted Hastings is bent and I'm not having it. OK, we're not I'm not having it. No spoilers here. This is not anything to do with the current season. But those people can log the fuck off. Like, get out. <laughs> you can unsubscribe to this podcast because this is a pod. This is the Ted Hastings stand podcast now. That's what do we are now. Do those people think Ted Hastings came up the lagging in a bubble? Do they? Yes. <laughs> Mother of God. Mother of God. Mother of God and the little donkey. <laughs> Jesus, no, Mary she, and Joseph and the wee donkey. And the, and the, wee, donkey. And the wee donkey. <laughs> okay. um, but it's wonderful to see. And I, 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 I'm fascinated by Line of Duty being such a popular show. Like beyond, much like Derry Girls as well. Like it's not mm. just popular in Ireland and Northern Ireland. It's popular with people who might have liked to joke before about having subtitles for people who have accents that aren't like within inverted commas generic English accents um, or generic American accents again within inverted commas. Mm. So it's it's fascinating to see that the 
the language. Maybe this is why they don't have Steve with a, a Scottish accent, because maybe that would have been too much. But maybe this is, you know, why... I just think it's wonderful to see Ted, Ted Hastings using a really authentic way of speaking. He's from, is he from Belfast? Is that where he's supposed to be from? Um, I know he's from Northern yeah. Ireland. Yeah, he's, he's, he's certainly from, um, from Northern Ireland. I think he may, may yeah. possibly from from down or a map. Um, okay, yeah. Um, but he, yeah, so he worked with the PSNI. I think he was, that's his character. He was a Catholic with the PSNI and he filters in, he lives in, in mainland UK and they never really talk about the location of where the, the, the show was set. Um, but it, he still uses this like wonderfully Hibernia Englishisms like Goeichi uh, Kiwi Shite, which is wonderful and gobshite. If gobshite <laughs> could get into popular English lexicon across the world, you'd have Ted Hastings to thank for it. It's just fantastic. I love um, it. Let's not forget, sucking diesel. Sucking diesel. Now we're oh, sucking you're diesel. sucking diesel, fella. Yeah, uh, um, Adrian Dunbar, of course, is from Enniskillen, and I think that they have, you know, not moved Ted Hastings too far away from from that origin. So, having yeah. done, you know, the crime the crime against humanity of not letting Martin Compton use his Scottish accent, they they've just said to Adrian, you know, just go for it, fella. Yeah, <laughs> I go for <laughs> it, your did. Boots, son. <laughs> And this is the thing, and it's, I think in some ways, and this is, it's been a huge part of, I guess, the show's texture that's, uh, mm-hmm. that so many people use so such technical, policey kind yeah. of dry language, and having him get, adding that that level of, I guess, of, of personality, of warmth, of Irishness to it, c- cuts it through. And I suppose there's yeah. there's some some parallels between a show like Life on Mars, where uh, or something like that, where you you've got this um, a, a contrast between one the way one person uses acronyms and dorky talk all the time and someone else uses a more kind of a cavalier attitude um, dialogue policing some of the acronyms and we all know if an organization uses too many acronyms no one knows what they're doing and it's probably in trouble a chiz is a covert human intelligence source yeah mit is oh, not oh so that would have been that, that would have been in the wire that was a ci Mm-hmm. CI, yeah. Confidential mm-hmm. informant. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The Wire and is another show that had a lot of them that I had to Google. The, well, we, the MIT is not the, the famous institution in, um, in Massachusetts. It is a murder investigation team. Mm. And AC-12 is obviously anti-corruption unit, to yeah, number 12, 12, as opposed to all 12, the other ones. Yeah. The 11 other ones at least. <laughs> You know, D&D is not uh, Patter's hobby. It's drunk and disorderly. Also yeah, so not Patter's I, hobby. Which you can do while you're also while you're also playing Dungeons and Dragons. You can be drunk, <laughs> be and, drunk disorderly and disorderly if you want. <laughs> That's D&D squared. Um, what is, is it ISO? <laughs> it's not the international standards. Is it I, is an ISO? Is it a... It, uh, oh, there's... Um, I, I don't know what it means. <laughs> Who knows? Is it the investigating senior officer or something like that? Oh, SIO, yeah, yeah. senior investigating officer. SIO, yeah. senior yeah. investigating so, officer, yeah. They should give us all so a book clip you can beforehand. Have, what, what you have then, what you have then, Gaffer, is you, you know you got the SIO of the MIT using several chises in order to investigate the OGC, OCG. Bollocks! I nearly got it. Nearly there. You were nearly <laughs> Steve Arnott. I was nearly uh, living no. it. <laughs> you see, when someone says shite like that, you need to follow it up with someone sucking diesel or saying "mother yeah. of God" or yeah. using something something That's a bit more it. visual. Mother of God, you're sucking diesel. What I like about the Ted Hastings character, though, is like he's not. He's not like the uh, the Irish cop trope of like yeah. I don't have time. I don't have time for your. I, what I do is I just take my shoe off and bait them. That's what I do. Is he's not? He knows all the acronyms. He uses all the acronyms. He's a technically proficient policeman, but he just he adds does. in that sort he, of homey touch. He follows the the letter of the law. The letter. The, the letter, letter of, of the, the law. 
That's an instruction for Brian to include that clip. <laughs> My department carries out his searches to the letter of the law, fella. The letter. Yeah, thanks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. But then this, this, this comes into something else. The, the trope of the Irish cop is something. And police shows and police procedural dramas are such a part of the storytelling tradition of the English language speaking world. We actually find it very hard to understand policing outside the context of police shows. It seems that a, a lot of... Um, they're, they're deeply intertwined, particularly in, since the invention of television. And prior to this, in the silent movie era and the early gangster movie era, cops weren't protagonists. Cops weren't relatable. Cops weren't conflicted, sexy um, uh, main characters. The Keystone Cops were a joke. When Jimmy Cagney was in Angels with Dirty Faces as a gangster who's brought to account, it's ultimately the priest and his own conscience who characters who bring him to account rather than individual cops. Cops do turn up, but they are not. We don't care who they are. They, they don't get the final word. Then. Yeah, yeah, and like tellingly, when the Hayes Code came in, um, in I think the 30s in America, you could no longer make movies and eventually television shows for a very long time that would have the bad guys winning. You couldn't have that. So you needed yeah. to have the good guys winning. But there wasn't this institutional protection of and faith in the cops. So that's where you ended up with the hard-nosed private eye becoming the, the hero. So Sam Spade yeah. um, in the Maltese Falcon, uh, you know, and, and so many others, like the Raymond Chandler and everything, they all grew out of this idea that, okay, the bad guys have to get their comeuppance, but it's not going to be the cops that are doing mm -hmm. it. It'll be the, the hard-nosed PI, potentially himself an ex-cop who left the force because they're incompetent and or corrupt. And that, 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 that trope... Because they just couldn't lot. handle him. Yeah, they you just know? couldn't handle him. Yeah. And this is the thing. And then what really happened, I suppose, in, in the 1950s, as, as is discussed in LA Confidential and is represented in LA Confidential, there was an intersection with the early cop shows and the police departments in terms of for creating a level of factual accuracy by having by, by having police consultants on, but also uh, pol uh, police having script, script supervision on storylines they did or did not like. And that was Dragnet. Dragnet was class, though. And <laughs> as this was represented, a, this, this relationship between cop shows, early cop shows, and the LA PD was represented in LA Confidential with Badge of Honor. Being, oh, yeah, which, which was actually a, a piss take of Dragnet. Or not a piss take, it was a, a fictionalization of Dragnet. Like they had the magazine in it, Hush Hush, which was a fictionalization of the real magazine Confidential. And then they had Badge of Honor, which was a fictionalization of Dragnet. But it just represented the fact that like the cops had their, they had their, their paws in all of the media at that stage. So there was no way they were going to be portrayed as, you know, Keystone cops or buffoons or, um, and probably more tellingly, uh, corrupt and ineffectual. Mm. And as Los Angeles grew rapidly in this time, uh, suddenly that the what, what, what happened, what was suddenly a factor in the filmmaking and television making was needing permits to shoot outdoors and in other places. So the actual the studios weren't able to just make fun of the cops as much as they were in the 1910s. Yeah. And then The Wire yeah. came along and that was a really <laughs> fucking accurate representation. That's a really good show if you've not mm, seen it. But that also brilliant. has a... a isn't McNulty? He's Irish, right? McNulty. Well, he's yeah, Irish American. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. but the the thing about it is, like the, the the Irish the Irish cops trope, it really really comes home in the wire because all mm. of them, even the African American cops, even they the Polish that, American cops, all bar, of them, right? they all go to the Irish bar. They have Irish yeah. wakes for cops. Yes. Like they drink yeah. Jemison. They drink nothing but Jemison. They think they the Pogues, right? 
yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. They, they do. Streams like, of whiskey. Um, yeah, and yeah, and then yeah, and this is the thing. And at, at the point, by the time the the, the wire came along, and it there was two points there, which were that the the wire was already peep. Pe- they the wire was made for people who had been had been immersed all their lives in cop show cliches and they mm. had to find ways to actually engage with the way that people ex- had certain expectations just like we expect vampires to not like sunlight we we expect so many things from cops not because of our personal experience of them but just because of what we've seen on television so many times so they had to find ways to subvert this but also to actually engage with it and that's that that's and that was the thing we we expect kind of um lester freeman to behave a certain way because we expect a certain the wise old black cop to be a certain character and we expect mcnulty to be the the maverick cop to behave a certain way and they and the wire was very good at turning those expectations on their heads yeah it's a great show and then the yeah. other big thing about the wire was the in 2002 policing had had already moved forward in a lot of ways and uh, the big issue was that so many so many conventions in detective work that we expected from television like how long it takes in the 90s you'd often say you have to keep a, cro- a crook on the line for two minutes so you can trace a call oh, triangulating yeah and, gotta and triangulate the call mm. and they, people, are they still, people are still doing that <laughs> that's still a trope like it's unbelievable csi so you're like, rotten oh, with that <laughs> he, he hung up at 89 seconds he knows it takes us 90 seconds to do this <laughs> and, this is, and then well, big thing was that, 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 so what the what the wire did was they made the section be you know the the, the actual team work with with massive funding cuts and old fashioned equipment and have been forced to work with this old equipment and that was how they resolved this because as they found that as technology was advancing with mobile phones with 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 computers with everything that and with CCTV everywhere it was actually hard to make a realistic cop drama based on the actual resources that the police now had available yeah. And then you have a show like CSI that just ignores that and is like, we're going to have a virtual autopsy. So we're going to have the entire body like like a fucking hologram from Star Wars in front of us and dissect it and find out how they were killed right before us. Like, which gets really old when you see when you see the wire and they're like, yes, what's his, what's that guy's name who used to man the computers and do the little miniatures? Oh, my God. What was his name? I loved him. Oh, uh, Presbelewski. No, not Presbelewski. The other guy. He was the older guy. Um was it Freeman, Lester Freeman? Lester Freeman, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Sorry, Freeman. you already yeah, said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Derek mentioned yeah. him earlier, yeah. Loved him, yeah. Um, so he would sit there on a fucking, like, tracing fucking pagers. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, trying to trace, trace the pager. Like, they're using the fucking pagers again. Um, compare that to CSI when they were just like, let's take all of reality and just ignore it. Let's just do but that. CSI, CSI had such a profound effect on, on criminal yeah, trials, criminal did. cases. Because, mm-hmm. like, you end up with a DNA expert taking the stand and saying, like, we have a, you know, a 94% probability, which is about as good as you're going to ever get with a DNA test that this is the person. And you have a jury of 12 people who have watched 12, you know, 15 years of CSI and CSI Miami and CSI New York going, oh, if it's not 100% now, you know, it probably mm. wasn't him. <laughs> I, I remember there was an episode of CSI where they were able to get a fingerprint off like a piece of bread that somebody had eaten. Jesus fucking Christ. Christ. Did Horatio Kane take off his sunglasses when that happened? Better bread than ever. (laughs) I guess it's a hard-baked criminal. (laughs) (laughs) This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan as we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written 
or ghostwritten. If you ever read about the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, Elizabeth and Jessica, with their eyes the colour of the Pacific Ocean, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. But of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnappings, stolen boyfriends and seemingly mandatory school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. We were talking, we were talking interestingly enough about, about Irish cops there. Yes. And um, like that at one stage was, as they, as they say, truth in television. Because at one stage, at the turn of the 20th century, five sixths, so like something like 85% of the New York City Police Department were Irish. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, the, the idea of the Irish cop, particularly in American television and film, did not come up the lagging on a bubble. In a no. bubble. It, uh, it, it is very much ingrained. And it, it just unfortunately became really, really tropey. Like, you know what I mean? Just really, uh, you had to have an Irish cop and they had to act the same. So it had to be either Chief O'Hara from the Batman TV series. Um, yeah. Yes. With Adam West. Or, uh, and I think by far the worst one is Sean Connery's Scottish Irish cop in The Untouchables. Oh, the it's movie. so bad. Oh, it's so, Malone. so bad. Yeah. And this is the... He, um, pulls, he, he pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He puts one of yours in the hospital, you put one of his in the walk. What oh. part of Ireland are you from there, Malone? Edinburgh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and and yes, and this idea, I suppose, yeah, that 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 speech does get mentioned. We used a lot. The I mean, the the Untouchables, I suppose, is was effectively um, you know Reagan era. I guess propaganda. The idea was yes, the police could not possibly get Al Capone the right way or the, the square way. They couldn't just go up and arrest him for things. And a lot of people have said that the. Al Capone being pinched on taxes is, is, is often seen as a triumph of kind of clever police work and not the fact that um, they can trump up a minor charge on someone the police don't like. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there it is. And we have gone from we have gone from Ted Hastings stand podcast to Al Capone stand podcast quicker than. <laughs> I mean, people say, "Oh yes, oh he couldn't, he could hardly have made that much money as a carpenter, which he's listed as a carpenter." But you know, have you seen one of his cabinets? Does he make a nice cabinet? I have not seen an Al Capone original. <laughs> a fitted kitchen and an island. Garage an <laughs> island? A fitted kitchen and, well, a, and a little island. Locus. <laughs> you know? You could you could hide about twenty bodies in there. I know you know. <laughs> I just, I, I think, I think Headstuff would like us to say that we're not in favour of money laundering. That this is not a, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the, no, it's not we approve of. <laughs> yes. Money laundering yeah. is bad. And, and to be honest, a lot of the money laundering that Al Capone would, was, was allegedly involved in probably couldn't happen today because financial regulations are much more precise than they yeah. were back in, before computers and everything like that. I would like to take a stand in favour of nice carpentry, though, in Kitchen Islands. I would like to oh, put yeah, that no. on the record, kitchen, that I am pro-Kitchen Islands. We are anti-money laundering pro-Kitchen Islands. Yeah, yeah. A nice nice carved Kitchen Island. I don't have that. a Kitchen Island. I don't have a kitchen big enough for a Kitchen Island. No, me neither. It would be nice. Yeah, we can dream. Nice. The dream. The dream. We've <laughs> modest dreams, Gardine, you know, we've modest <laughs> dreams. Island. Just linguistic autonomy and a kitchen island. A kitchen island. Oh, it's lovely. A little breakfast bar. A lovely little <laughs> breakfast bar. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why would you be having your three stools in the middle of your kitchen? <laughs> a fabulous. Oh, sure, it'd be great. <laughs> now you have insight end. into my Pinterest boards. Just fucking kitchen hob. <laughs> a breakfast bar and an induction hob. Judas tonight. Oh yeah, you have this. You've got this lovely Nap- Napa Valley style breakfast bar, and you're sitting there eating soggy old cornflakes, looking at the Irish rain at the window. <laughs> ah, but you can dream, though. You have the breakfast bar. What more do you want? You can't have it all. You can't have weather mm-hmm. and a breakfast bar. Derek. Can you eat all your meals at a breakfast bar, though? I think Probably you, should, not. you can and should. All of them. Well, then it's if not I a, breakfast a breakfast bar, bar is it? I'd be, I'd be three meals a day at the breakfast bar. If I, had a breakfast bar. <laughs> I tell you, I'm getting my money's worth out of that kitchen island. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. But yeah, so the this, this episode was brought to you by Harvey Norman's kitchen island <laughs> section. <laughs> Al Capone's cabinet makers. Uh, <laughs> so Irish cops again. So has anybody seen Blue Bloods? Yeah, I watched about 15 minutes of it and when they were all yeah. sitting at the table being fucking melts and I was like yeah. I'm out of here I'm out <laughs> I love I'm going to tell you a very very deep deep dark secret about mine so when I was a child like small small like uh-huh. before I went to school my mum would go and do her shopping of a Friday and she had to book fucking come hell or high water she had to be home because she would have to cart me along because I was a small child and she would have to be home in time for me to watch Magnum P.I. because I was fucking obsessed. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. It might have been the car. It might have been the dogs. It might have been the flowery shirt. It might have been the moustache. It was but the moustache. I was had to have been the moustache. with Tom Selleck. And then he came along in Friends and I was like, I'm already sold on Richard being hot. Like, I'm already there. I've been sold since I was five. <laughs> and then I watched because I was like, oh, Tom Selleck. I love Tom Selleck. And then I watched this fucking... They, they, they're a great fan of chatting. Like, would they ever wished? Like, they just love chatting around the table oh my god pains in the hoop this was the thing this idea of that there was that um irish americans are are regarded by other americans as having a, a, a great gift of conversation this is something that people said that you know when arnold schwarzenegger was running for election people thought oh you know he's um like he's, he's not your typical austrian he's you know he's perfected his kind of conversational technique by by being surrounded by the kennedys so much as well as being a film star and stuff like that. And that's, and uh, but this idea of a bunch of Irish people sitting around the table arguing about every single thing, it's a, it's a, it's a sentimental image, but it's Blue Buds. I, I, I found it very hard to sit down and just like watch it. It made me so angry. It was such shite. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> made, made me so angry. They were all chatting and loving each other. Fucking yeah, assholes. This idea that people who work in, people who work in shift employment, like cops, like, you know yes. what I mean? And like people who work in shift employment and cops are somehow able to find a space where like, what was it? There was, was three cops and a district attorney and too a retired many is cop. What there was. And the, it too was too many, many cops. Yeah. <laughs> What's the collective noun for cops? Gary, don't answer. <laughs> A shower yeah. of cops, but that they're able to somehow have, you know, in all of this, and it, it only makes sense when you realise that Tom Selleck is the commissioner, so like he's pulling strings, yeah. making sure everyone has a Sunday off, which is just insane in most industries. <laughs> <laughs> like mm-hmm. Every single person in his family has Sunday off and they're able to sit down and argue over the mashed potatoes. And it was so. I guess every character had a sandwich board saying what their what their kind of thing was. Oh, there was the liberal sister, you know, who's a pain in the bum, and there's you know the pragmatic detective. Was there was the fascist granddad, and then there was poor old poor old Tom Selleck, the dad trying to hold the family together. Ah, oh, the wise man. He knew everything, mm. didn't he? But fucking yeah, it's, idiots. <laughs> sitting at the top of the fucking tip, near a breakfast bar to be had in that kitchen. I'll tell you that something for nothing. What's I, like just this idea of like of 10 people sitting out to eat dinner together. Like, oh, what is it, Christmas? 
And that's a note. A Christmas. Do you ever do you ever find yourself halfway through Christmas dinner? You're like, God, I'm glad this is only once a year. God, yeah. for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot happening. Like there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Right there. Significantly in Bluebuds, the family name was Reagan. Was it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Is that significant, is it? It is significant. I mean, I think it's extremely significant. They picked the um a a Republican um kind of um a Republican god, I guess, to become the family name. Yeah. Isn't Tom Selleck a Republican? Uh, I think he is. Oh, I, I hope be- not. <laughs> I, I, I think I Googled it recently because I, I keep tabs on Tom Selleck because that's again. That's who I am. But I, yeah, I think he I, is. No, I, I do. I, I remember he may not. I th- he may be kind of. Um, yes, he, no, he, he. But I think I, I do know that. Say oh, yeah. No, he did. He did. Actually, weirdly enough, he introduced Nancy Reagan at the 1984 Democratic or Republican convention. Tom Selleck in 1984 always, is peak Tom Selleck. He's been a member of the board of directors of the National Rifle Association and was once a spokesman for the organization. Oh, Jesus. Well, Tom. Oh, Tom. Like, I don't, I don't care how hairy your chest is or how bushy your moustache is or how tiny your shorts are. You're not going to know that conduct on this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'll hang on a second. There we go. He he um, he did not support either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump in 2016. And he describes himself now as a registered independent with a lot of libertarian leanings. So, so he's Ron Swanson. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah, a moustache as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It must be the moustache. Yeah. There you are. That's I Tom believe Selleck so. There. Yeah, Tom Selleck, the 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 love of my life when he so, in the nineteen eighties. I, I have to I have to ask: Have either of you ever seen any Irish cop shows? Oh, I do. I saw oh, one. Dublin oh my Murders god! Murders is an Irish. Oh yeah, cop Dublin show, Murders. Isn't it? That's very. It's kind of Scandi Noir, isn't it? Yeah, I, can, I I'm not able for it because they do it all wrong. What do they? <laughs> It's really you know annoying. Too much this about is, the guards, though. This is yeah, it. that's the so problem. So I remember, I remember. Um, I used to love CSI, and then I started studying evidence law, and I was like, "Well, this is fucking garbage. This is fucking ridiculous. We're living in crazy town. This is all stupid." So when I watched Dublin Murders, I couldn't get around the fact that I think it was set in like two thousand four, and they had a solicitor in the guard interview. Um, and they were like, oh, you've a right to your sister. And I was like, not in fucking 2004, you didn't, you know. <laughs> and, and then me and all of the other like legal academics who were working on this were like, way. And then no one else fucking cared. <laughs> because why would you? <laughs> you must be tremendous crack to watch telly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember yeah, show. Dark, yeah. um, this is back in the late 90s. And it, this there was a cop show, I think it's called In the Cut. Or oh, it was called cut. Making the Cut. M- Making the Cut. Sean McGinley as a, as a, as a yeah. troubled cop in a town that may or not have been Waterford. Oh, no, lo- no, 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 no. It was Arklow. Oh, even better. It was Arklow, yeah. So he's, uh, Sean McGinley is kind of, it lives in his own, plays piano. He's kind of a mysterious, sad figure, but he's a, he's a, he's a cop. He's, he's, his boss gives him flack. The police chief is always wondering, you know, why is he, why is he driving his car right through the, right through the PJ Matthews camp carpet store, smashing up windows, destroying carpets, destroying kitchens, <laughs> kitchen islands kitchen and the lot, the baddie in the first episode. And this is why I could, I found it hard to watch more because it was the, Sometimes in, in, with Irish television, you might recognise a, a character from something else. But the local um, a corrupt businessman was Bishop Brennan. Oh, <laughs> did he get a yeah, kick in the arse in the end? No. And then this is, we were, this is the, we were, if Twitter had been around at the time, people would have been basically saying this. You just can't, you couldn't have him. And he was, he was, he was, went, went full Bishop Brennan. He was saying, oh, you can't get me. I own this town kind of thing. And, <laughs> I own this town, you little bollocks. <laughs> 
<laughs> just to say, Jim Norton, great actor, does the He's fantastic. Does the audio book of uh, Ulysses? Oh yeah. Yes. But is looking like for a kick in the gonna, arse. Now you can now you can pretend to have listened to Ulysses as well as pretending to have read it. Uh, the, the, I loved making the cut, and there was actually a spin-off of making the cut called the DDU for District Detective Unit, and I actually really enjoyed it because not because it was you know high quality or anything like that, but for for once it was a hard nosed detective drama where Sean McGinley was the rebel, but God damn it, he gets results. Like, and I remember there was one. There's one scene in it in the first episode of DDU, which is which is like the second one with the same character. Um, and like it was very obviously filmed in I think Arklow, certainly a port town. Parts mm-hmm. of it could have been filmed in Waterford because there were shots along the harbour and things like that. But they never named what town it was in. They only said yeah. that it was clear it wasn't Dublin. It's was like as if there's any policing resources being put anywhere that isn't Dublin, <laughs> like for Christ's sake. But uh, there's a bit where his new partner, who you know is not used to his unorthodox ways, gets into his you know classic 1981 BMW and goes, "Where's your radio?" And he goes. I live by my own rules. I don't have a radio. And she just looks at him and he goes, no, I'm only joking. It's under your seat. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so there were little things in it that, that were great. I, uh, but uh, yeah, we just don't have enough of them. But I mean, maybe we don't have, I mean, there was the, the whatchamacallit where the cops are the baddies. Everyone was the baddie in that one. What was the good one? With Nidge and the boys. Love, hate. I didn't watch Love, that. Hate. Love, hate. I didn't, didn't watch a lot of that either. Oh, but oh yeah, the thing I was going to say, Ireland is so small and we yep. have some brilliant actors. We've absolutely brilliant actors, but like the problem is that when they appear in, you know, things, you can only see them in their most iconic roles. I remember going yeah. to see translations uh, on Broadway and yeah. uh, Niall Boogie was in the lead role. Now, I don't know if you know the name Niall Boogie, but you might know, sack me, sack me, I made the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all I could hear, yeah. <laughs> no matter what he was saying, mm-hmm. all I could hear. And I went to see um, The Great Gatsby in yeah. uh, in The Gate. My friend was in it. Yeah. My friend Avian McCann was in it. What a stellar performance. It was absolutely brilliant. It was br- absolutely brilliant. But Owen Rowe was in it. Now, Owen oh. Rowe is an incredible actor. He's brilliant. He was, uh, I think he was Arthur Arthur Griffith in The Treaty. Owen Rowe is an incredibly talented, really, really good actor. But all I can see when I look at him is your man from Intermission, the supermarket manager going, it's time to TCB, as they say in the States, take care of business. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same as um, Joe Rooney, who's a comedian. And I've seen him at Electric oh, yeah. Picnic a few times. And mm-hmm. every time he does a set, somebody shouts Oasis or Blur from that one yeah. fucking episode he did of Father Ted, like 25, 30 years ago. Yeah, God love yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a wedding once and Simon Casey was the wedding singer. Be- uh, beautiful, beautiful voice. Very talented guy. He was the, he came, he won You're a Star years ago. No, he came second in You're a Star against Mickey Joe Hart, who sang with oh, the world tonight. We've got the world tonight. Oh, what people a kept ask, People kept asking Simon Casey to sing We've Got the World Tonight. Poor Simon <laughs> Casey. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wedding. I don't play fucking requests at a wedding. <laughs> At my wedding, at my wedding, my uh, uh, my my aunt and uncle had had a few, and they wanted the band to play the Eagles, and it got to the, the point they were almost rushing the stage to try and get the band to play the Eagles, and uh, so the band sort of tried to defuse the situation. They said, "Yeah, yeah, no problem. No, you just step down, get ready to dance. Right, we're going to play the Eagles," and then they just launched into "Let's Dance" by David Bowie because fuck the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm gonna. I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm putting a play. I'm just gonna write down. We've got the world tonight by Mickey Joe Hart from my wedding. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great one. It's wedding oh, playlist. You'll, 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 you'll find that this was when, um, maybe a, a couple of weeks after you get married, Guardian, you will suddenly hear a song. It's like that's the one we should have had for the first dance. <sighs> like Aaron well, and I. It's gonna Aaron be We've I Got the World Tonight. Looked, Last day, it's gonna be We've Got the World Tonight. <laughs> Aaron and I just looked in each other's eyes about uh, about two months after the wedding because um, we were talking about Neighbours, the you know the the, yeah. the, the, the beloved the Australian show. soap opera, and oh, yeah. the songs uh, suddenly by Angry Anderson. We we're just talking about that, and we both like, "Fuck, that's the one we should have picked." <laughs> Let's do it again, lads. Let's fucking yeah. do it again. <laughs> it's, it's a good excuse to do it again. Came that close. Mine was uh, "Life on Mars" by Bowie, and I don't regret it because it's class. Because it's a, a great brilliant song. song. Mm-hmm. We, we picked Galileo uh, Declan O'Rourke for, for oh, that's, oh, that's beautiful nice. Galileo is a, just it's Declan O'Rourke's best song and it's one of the best songs ever Paul Weller that's his favourite song you know that is it Galileo but yeah he said it it's uh, like it's unbelievable it's class I think Josh like Groban did a cover did he cool Josh so. Groban's cool he does a cop show does he Get it's on Netflix yeah 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 Tony Danza plays his dad and um yeah, yeah, so it's brilliant. And Tony Danza, as you know, can only play Tony Danza. Like in every role that Tony Danza has ever had uh, on television, his character has to be named Tony for some reason. Uh, it's like he can't really can't act unless somebody is addressing him as Tony. But uh, Josh Groban plays his son, and like his son is a serving cop who is in- incredibly by the book. You know, the letter of the law. Um, and his dad, Tony Danza, is, is a corrupt ex-cop who was kicked off the force and went to prison. So, oh, oh fab. Hil- oh. Hilarity ensues. It's a comedy, of course. <laughs> I was going to say, cause, but it's not though, really, is it? Because Josh Groban does a lot That's... of comedic performances of himself. He was in the he was in the office, not as himself, but he was in Glee as well. He was in Parks and Rec as himself. Like, he's mm-hmm. gas. Yeah, like, uh, Josh Groban is a great he, fella. He's very funny. He's very funny. So before, I mean, we, we wrap up, I mean, what's uh, cop shows? Are they propaganda, Garajin? Um, Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what I have to say on that one. Uh, I don't think intentionally. I think a good, a good cop show is a good cop show. Um, but I do think, and some cop shows are pretty good at making themselves look real. Um, but the, uh, like I said, The Wire is pretty good. I think to a certain extent, Line of Duty is, but with probably a bit more cash, for particularly for anti-corruption. Um, but I will say that um, police investigating police is somewhat of a poor uh, uh, oversight mechanism. Uh, even though Ted Hastings is great. Do you know the origin of the expression quiz up custodiat ipsos custodias? Well, I don't know that phrase, so... It means um, who watches no. the watchers, is it? Who will police okay. the police? Who yeah. will police the police? I've heard yeah. of that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they they said that in ancient Rome they realized there was issues with police policing police and or custodians policing custodians. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. yeah. So that that I mean fundamentally that, but but that's not to say that that doesn't happen because it does. But it, it doesn't also mean that it's not propaganda or, or wrong or, or a, a poor mechanism. But I do think there is, like I said, there's you can enjoy a good cop show, and I do enjoy Ted Hastings to no end. Um, and I think probably the reason, I, like you were saying earlier, he's a very like. He kind of cuts through it a lot and is very much like a um, a fella you could probably get on with. Fella, you know, nice fella. Nice fella. Yeah. My friend saw Adrian Dunbar in um, in Balls Bridge one time. He was on the phone and he gave them a wink and they were like, <gasps> they're still living off that. They're still living off That's that. Class. Yeah. I'd say he strikes as someone who probably, I mean, I, I can only imagine when, when 
the restrictions are lifted and he gets to walk down the street in London or Dublin again, he's going to get a lot of people shouting bent coppers at him or yeah. I don't believe it or I don't or even ra- random catchphrases from other oh. shows. <laughs> it's like, what? Was he good? No, what's it called? One foot in the grave? Was that what it was called? Yeah. yeah. He was um, not. Yeah, do, you think, I, I, do you think people would throw like bent pennies at him? Bent coppers. Oh. Yeah. That's the Sorry. last thing this podcast needs um, is two, da- two Daryks. <laughs> <laughs> on, on that note, on that note, we hope we enjoy this spoiler-free discussion of Lion Duty and related topics. Yeah. Um, if you have any thoughts about what um, about your favourite Irish cops or their, your least favourite Irish cop tropes, in, let us know. Do send us a voice message. If you have a favourite hyper- use of Hiberno English in an, a UK-made television program. Let us know. We want yeah, to be able to I'll yeah. also take your opinions on Tom Sellett's mustache and Kitchen Islands, please, if you have those for me as well. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Do hit us up. Until the next time, much love and a slant from me. A slant from me. A slant from Motherfucker comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network if you wish to contact the show. Check out the WhatsApp number in our show notes. Send us a voice note. Sure, you might have included it. Thanks very much to Kirsten Shield for doing the wonderful artwork as ever and to Brian for producing us and making us sound great. And listen here, fella, if you don't think I came up the lagging on a bubble, get on to patreon.com forward slash Darek. <coughs> Sorry, it's something in my throat there. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Darek for a whole host of added extras. It's like our upcoming... Um, no, it's not upcoming. It's out now, isn't it? Our Patreon bonus episode. It's actually out now. So get on that. Get on that quick. Uh, look, we've got a whole host of things coming up soon. And if you want to know about them in advance and you want to get exclusive access to chats, to interviews, uh, we even did an AMA and Ask Me Anything. So if you want to get involved in the next one, it's patreon.com forward slash Derek. Just to add that we will be taking an intermission this summer, but we will continue to produce content for our Patreon supporters during during that intermission. I will be producing podcasts about Tom Selleck in that time. Mm. The Mustache Zone with Gardine McAvoy. (laughs) 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 This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Lads, I just want to know, do you think that I came up the lagging in a bubble? Do you think I came up the Liffy in a bubble? Do you think I came up the daughter in a bubble? Like...